welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Job, chapter number 11. Please refrain from country music in your mind when I go to the book of Job. Start thinking of the woe is me. and It's a blessed book. It's the oldest written text in your Bible. Written two millennium before Christ. Powerful story of of a righteous man named Job. We're going to pick up in Job's, in the middle of his suffering in chapter 11. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, we're going to talk about Job's suffering. It's the week of Thanksgiving. Now, I think, I'm, I think uh, the Lord would spin it in a different direction today. Job chapter 11, beginning at verse number 2. I apologize to the media team. I didn't get you my scriptures but y'all are, y'all are quick. They're so fast they can turn out the light and be in bed before it gets dark. Amen. Some of you get it on the way home. Amen. There it is. Praise God. Verse two. Should not the multitude? Now, now, now let's see who is Zophar. The Naamite is is speaking now. Uh, his friends have come to comfort him. With friends like that, who needs enemies, right? You ever had somebody just sit around and tell how bad things are for you? Say, pray for me. I'm, I'm in trouble. Yeah, it's bad. You ever been sick and somebody look at you and go, you look terrible? I'm like, well, thanks. You're not even sick and you look terrible. How do you like that? No. <laughs> so they're comforting Job. Should not the multitude of the words be an answer and should a man full of talk be justified should thy lies make men to hold their peace when thou mockest shall no man make thee ashamed for thou hast said my doctrine is pure and I am clean in thine eyes but oh that God would speak and open his lips against thee and that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is as high as the heaven, as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Love verse 5. But oh, that God would speak. Oh, that God would speak. 
I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning, afternoon. Oh, that God would speak. Oh, that God would speak. I've heard hell long enough. I'm ready to hear God. Oh, that God would speak. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that is in your word. That there is in your word exceeding life. That there is in your word power and revelation and understanding. Would you grant us this day, O God, your wisdom? Would you grant us this day, God, your spirit? Lord, that it would give us right understanding and discernment of your word and of our times. I pray, Lord, that you would move in this place once again, that the sick would be healed and the weak would be strengthened and the discouraged would be lifted up. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Would you give thanks to the Lord again this afternoon? Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless your name. Amen. You can be seated. Job is in a, a fight for his life. I'll not rehearse everything of Job, but suffice it, suffice it to say, Job was, was in a battle. Um, and Job was in a battle, and somebody forgot to tell him that the bell had rung and the fight had commenced. He just got a strong left hook and a right uppercut to the jaw before he knew what was going on. But a few things need to be made clear, um, and I know that years past I've preached about it, but just to jog your memory and for those that, that were not here, and so if you've never heard it, just act like it's your first time and be twice blessed. But there's a few things that need to be noted. One is that Job did not start this fight. And also important to know the devil didn't start this fight. It's important to know that God was the one that picked this fight. Also important to know that God picked the fight with the devil, chose Job to fight, and didn't tell Job he was in a fight. It was God who instigated the devil to this fight. Read that in Job 1. He said um, to the devil, where have you been? Said, of course, God knew that. It was, it was accountability because even the devil is accountable to God. He says, uh, been down in the earth, walking around up about to and fro in the earth. And, and then God responds, well, since you've been in the earth, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil responds, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. And um, he says, well, you know, as a matter of fact, I have thought about him. I, I, I think about him often. Matter of fact, I think about him daily. I'd love to put my fingers around his neck and squeeze your praises out of his mouth. God says, okay. And then the devil says, but does Job serve God for naught? I mean, everything he does, you bless. 
Words that come out of his mouth, you bless. Everything his hand touches is blessed. He's got the Midas touch. Whatever he touches, God just blesses it. The works of his hands, the fields, everyone that comes in contact with the life of Job becomes blessed. And the devil made a, a tragic for himself error in thinking that Job only served God because of blessing. Because then Job, uh, then the devil lets the cat out of the bag and says, but if you'll take your hand off of him and you'll give me just a few days with him, actually just give me a few hours, that same young man that's down there blessing you, I'll have your boy cussing you to your face before the sun sets. And God went, <laughs> you're going to have him what? I said, he will curse you before the sun sets. And God goes, I. And I think the first redneck term came out of God's mouth when he looked at the angels and said, hey, y'all, watch this. And as the devil smiled his sadistic grin, the Lord put one caveat to this. He said, you can touch his body, but you cannot have his life. That belongs to me. And the devil thought, I, I, I don't even need his life. I will make him so miserable that I'll have him cussing you. Somebody forgot to tell Job that a fight had commenced because the next thing Job knows, Job was sitting in his recliner, sipping sweet tea, eating peanut brittle, and somebody busts through the door and says, Job, bandits have come and stolen all your cattle. And he's set up, and he's, that's some devastating news. And he, as he sets up, another servant comes through and says, all your crops have been burned down, and I'm the only one left to tell you. Your cattle's stolen. I'm the only one left to tell you. Another one runs in. You've lost all your possessions. I'm the only one left to tell you. Isn't it amazing how the devil will always leave somebody to give you bad news? Let, let me say, isn't it amazing how the enemy will always use somebody to give you bad news? So if you've got somebody in your life that always gives you bad news, know who they're influenced by. Amen. And then finally, the, the, the last one runs in and falls on their knees and is just sobbing. Says, Job, I've got some terrible news. And at this point, Job cannot fathom it getting worse. He's lost everything. And they said, Job, your children, your children were all in a house together, and the roof collapsed on them, and it killed all your children. And I'm the only one left to come and tell you all your sons and daughters are dead. Job fell back to, the, to his chair and was reeling, head spinning. I've never been hit with that much bad news. And somebody says, oh, I feel like Job. I'm thinking, you must not have read Job. He lost everything. He's reeling. You see, God forgot to tell him, you're in a fight. The devil forgot to tell Job. You're in a fight. Here's what I know about the devil. 
if he's got permission to attack you, he ain't going to talk about it. September the 10th, 2001, we didn't hear nothing. There were no terrorists out there going, we're going to knock down them towers. We're going to kill you. Nothing. It was quiet. Then all of a sudden, the towers come down. Listen to me. If the devil's running his mouth to you, you ought to shout. Because that means as long as he's talking, he ain't got permission to do it. Because if he had permission to do it, he'd shut up and get it done. Some of you are letting, you're, you're letting everything intimidate you because the enemy is telling you, I'm going to take your kids. I'm going to take your job. I'm going to take your family. I'm going to take your home. I'm going to take your You're so afraid of all of these things that he keeps barking at you. Here's the secret. As long as he's running his mouth about it, trying to scare you, he is a terrorist. He is trying to bring terror to you. If he had permission to do it, he'd have done it. If he's telling you he'd kill you, let me tell you, if the devil could kill you, you would already be pushing up daisies but the fact you're still alive lets me know the enemy does not have permission so instead of sucking your thumb about what the devil is threatening you with you ought to shout that he don't got permission to do it and if he does get permission to do it God is in control and God won't allow anything to happen to me that he doesn't think I can overcome because when God got ready to show the devil how powerful God is, God didn't flex his muscles. He used one of his own. And oftentimes, we go through tests not because of our own doing, but we go through tests because God is bragging on us in heaven. And if you want to be a bullseye for hell, then let God brag on you. And God don't brag about how rich you are. And God don't brag about how pretty or good looking you are. God don't brag on you about your degree. He don't brag on you about how clean your house is and about how jacked up your four by four is. God don't brag on you. God brags on your faithfulness. God brags on your relationship with him. God brags on your worship and your prayer life. God brags on the fact that you stay devoted to him, that you're true to him. Amen. I want God to brag on me. He said in Job, he said to the devil, that have you considered him? There's nobody like him in all the earth. He's perfect and upright man, escheweth evil. Amen. I want God to brag on me. And so nobody told Job when this fight commenced. So there he is um, sitting in his house and boils have appeared on him, lesions infected. Every time he moved, his skin would rip apart and bleed infection don't mean to be so vivid but we take broken pieces of pottery and scrape the pus out of his wounds from head to toe got to the point where his wife came in and encouraged him she said honey why don't you curse God and die now now we make fun of her and we think that she was rebellious or whatever, but I think it was an act of mercy. I don't think she didn't believe in God. I think she was, here was a woman who just lost all her children. Here's a woman that, that just went bankrupt. Here's a woman whose son, uh, or, or rather whose husband is flesh is literally melting off his bones in front of her. And she is saying to him out of an act of mercy, why don't you just curse God and get this over with? I love you too much to see you suffer. 
let off of her a little bit. She loved her husband. She said, curse God and die. Get this over with. I can't stand to see you suffer anymore. Then, of course, Job got an idea. He said, well, if it's possible to curse God and die, I think I'll bless God and live. And the Bible said he shaved his head and said, naked that came into this world and naked shall I return, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You've got a choice. You can either curse that situation and die or you can bless God and come out of it. You can worry your way through life. You can worry your way into depression or you can, you can bless the name of the Lord and say, I don't have to understand what's going on. I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. I don't understand the purpose of the pain, but what I do know is you are still God and you are still in control in spite of my situation, in spite of my circumstance. But through it all, and, and if you never heard my message on the revelation of Job's fight, that was part of it. But through it all, the most terrifying thing to Job was not the sickness in his flesh. And it was not the death of his children. But to Job, the most tragic thing he was enduring was the silence of God. Amen. I don't know how people live for God without prayer. I, don't, I just don't know how people live for God without ever reading their Bible. Job said the most devastating thing that's happening to me is I can't find God. And I can't hear God. I went to where he was working. I couldn't find. He said, I went to church. Everybody else was getting blessed. Everybody else was dancing and, and, and doing the two-step and feeling the Holy Ghost, but I couldn't. You ever been there before? You ever been there where it felt like God was a million miles away, that when you prayed, the heavens were brass? Have you ever been there before where you thought, am I wasting my breath? Just be real for a moment. You, you can be all super spiritual later. Just get real for a moment. Have you ever prayed and, and said, God, are you even listening to me? Am I wasting my breath? Am I wasting my time? What am I even doing here? Are you even listening? Some of you go, you would never say that to God. Well, then you have never been there before. You've never been to the point where you're not just broken but shattered and you're not just hurting but you're writhing and you go to God because there's confusion and you don't understand it and yet there is not a word. Everybody else is getting a word. Everybody else is getting blessed. Everybody else is getting a prophecy. Everybody else is getting healed and you are stuck in the midst of your mess and you're saying, God, do you even, what have I done for you to do this? I can't hear you. I can't touch you. I can't feel you. What is what have I done that you have cast me away that I can't even sense your prayer? Listen to me. God's not angry with that kind of a question. God wants the realness of your spirit. God is not intimidated by the raw emotions that you have. He put those emotions in you. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You don't got to sit down and pray some theologically uh, correct dissertation and get down and try to pray like everything is perfect. Sometimes you got to curl up in the floor like a little baby and sob and cry out to God and say, Lord, I really need you. Amen. But I am telling you, there are times I have pounded my fist in the ground and I have screamed to the top of my lungs. Do you hear me? Do you know that I'm still alive? Are you still there? God, are you still there? And if you've never been there, you can't appreciate Job's situation because Job's greatest fear, amen, was not the fact that his children died or the fact that he lost his health and his wealth, but Job was terrified that after all the hell he's been going through, he could no longer hear God. I'm preaching to somebody this afternoon that you have already walked through the flames of sickness. You have already marched through the trials and tribulation of life, but you're wondering where is the voice of God? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You're wondering where is the voice of God? You're crying out, oh, that God, oh, that God would speak. And then you realize God, God vocalizing is not an affirmation of what you're going through. But God's silence is God's confidence. I don't know why I'm preaching this on a Sunday before Thanksgiving. But that God's silence is his confidence. Because if he couldn't trust you, he'd talk to you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. I, I may not be preaching to everybody. For the ones I'm not, just, just hold on to it. You'll be there. Live for God long enough and right enough. You'll be there. And you went through Awaken Conference. And you were blessed. And you felt the touch of God, but you still didn't get that word. And you're wondering, what did I do? Everybody else got a word. I feel refreshed. I feel blessed. But I don't got my word yet. And you're praying, God, I gave to the conference. I worked in the conference. I was at, why not a word? And God wants me to remind you, if he didn't believe in you, that that's the ultimate form of confidence. You, you, you hear me? It's the ultimate form of confidence. It's the ultimate form of confidence. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Do, do you remember being in school? And you're taking a test. Anybody else like me take a test at school? Did you ever take a test where you didn't know the answer? Did you ever take a test where you didn't know the answer and you raised your hand to get help? Come on, raise your hand if I'm telling the truth. You ever raise your hand to get help in a test and you're trying to get the attention of your teacher? I can't do that when my shoulder won't let me. But you hold your arm up. Put your head down, plop arm up. That's where I learned to do this. A good teacher won't even acknowledge you. She just stays quiet. 
I always thought that was because they were mean, and maybe it was. Part of it, no, I had good teachers for the most part. But the reason they're not talking is because it's a test. And the teacher has confidence in two things. One, that they were qualified in what they taught you. So they're confident in what they've already taught. And two, they're confident that the answer is in you. And if you'll just keep going, the answer's going to come to you, which is going to be far more effective than her helping you get the answer. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And sometimes God is silent, not because he's mean or sadistic. Sometimes God is silent because, one, he is confident in his word that he has put in you. And two, he is confident that you have the answer in you. You just need to stir it up. Let, let me say it again. God's not quiet because he's angry. God's not quiet because he's mean. God's not quiet because he's forsaken or abandoned you. God is simply silent on the issue because he already gave you the answer and he's waiting on you to come back to the answer and stir it up and say, yes, I already have that word of assurance. I'm preaching to somebody this afternoon who is struggling with the silence of God and I've come to preach to you that God has already spoken it and God has already said it and if he's already said it he will perform it you can be confident that if God changed his mind he would have already told you about it but it was the silence of God that struck terror in the heart of Job he said I wish I knew where he was I'd, I'd, I'd go plead my case before him I wish I knew where. And then later on in the book of Job, God starts speaking. Job starts, God starts speaking to Job. And it was fluent. It, it wasn't in riddle or rhyme and it wasn't in sputters or pieces. He spoke clear to him. Job finally made his case before the Lord. And the Lord looked at him and said, wait a second. Where were you? In other words, who do you think you are? Do, do you think that you're special because you have endured some suffering and hardship? Are you questioning my judgment, my plan for you? Where were you when I hung the stars? Where were you when I formed the earth? Where were you weren't anything. I want to tell you something right now. God has already spoken to the situation. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And before you protest and get mad at God and lose your victory or God forbid your soul, you need to understand that God knows exactly what he's doing in your life. I don't have to know everything. I just need to know one thing. That God is still in control. And if Jesus is all I have, then Jesus is all I have. If he never blesses me enough, I'm already the most blessed man. If he never heals me again, he's already done enough. If he never touches me again, he's already... I know that don't make some folks excited, but it makes me excited to know that at 43 years of life, I've already lived the most blessed life, the most abundantly blessed life. 
Oh, that God would speak. And when God wants to speak, he will speak. I said, when God wants to speak, he will speak. Matter of fact, I preached it before, and I won't preach it again. But if God is anything, he is a speaking God. He's a speaking God. Revelations chapter 3. Jesus says, Revelations 2 and 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Revelations 2 and 11, he that hath a hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Revelations 2, 17, to he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Revelations 2, 29, to he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Revelations 3, 6, to he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Revelations 3, 13, to he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Revelations 3, 22, to he that hath an ear, let him hear. Can I, can I say something good? I was going to say it anyway. God, since God's a speaking God, he needs a listening people. We spend way too much time talking. Like the old timers used to say when I was a kid, God gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. You ought to listen twice more than you talk. We, we, we think prayer, amen, we, we think prayer is our wish list every time we go to prayer. Or, or God is our Dr. Phil we're going to spill all our problems to all the time and never just shut up. He's speaking. As a matter of fact, he's already spoken. And if he never speaks again, he has thoroughly spoken here. Job was terrified of the silence of God. Listen to me. He is a speaking God. We need to be a listening people. And when God gets ready to speak, listen to me. When God gets ready to speak, nothing can silence the voice of God in your life. I feel like telling somebody this this morning, this afternoon, that God is getting ready to open his mouth and speak. You've got to get in a position that God, you, you've been through the silence. You've been through that. You've been through that long, dark night of silence. But God says, uh, I'm getting ready to speak into your situation. I'm getting ready to speak. Don't you, re don't you backslide now. Don't you lose the victory now. Don't get bitter now. Don't get angry now. Don't lose out now. Don't wash your hands of it now. You are too close. God has got confidence in you. He's been silent because he trusts you he's been silent because he knows what he's put in you but oh my brother my sister listen to me this afternoon hold on because God's about to open his mouth and when God speaks things are going to change and God may, speak, God may speak in a way that you're not ready for him to speak and if, you're, if you don't have a listening ear, you'll miss a speaking God. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. If you don't have a listening ear, you'll miss the speaking God. You can't determine how God's going to speak it to you. Oh, God, I want pastor to call me and tell me. Well, if God don't tell me, I ain't doing it. 
I need somebody, Lord, to walk up to. It may not happen that way. God can speak any way he wants to speak. In Exodus 3, when he wanted to speak, he spoke through a burning bush. In Exodus 19, he spoke in a thick cloud. A speaking God needs a listening people. In 1 King 19, he spoke through a gentle whisper. Luke 22, he spoke through a rooster. In Numbers 20, 29, he spoke through a donkey. You cannot select the vessel God will speak through. We just have to be receptive to the voice of God. Oh, that God would speak. It may not come the way you want it. You may not get the word in the way that you prepared for it. But child of God, hear me this afternoon. To he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If you would just tune out the friends who've come to encourage you. If you'll tune out the desperation of the wife that's just trying to help you. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If you'll tune out all of the pop psychologists and the Instagram theologians. If you'll just tune all of that stuff out. If you'll silence all the internet preachers. If you'll, if you'll silence and if you'll get in a place with God. Listen to me when God gets ready to speak. He's going to speak and can't nothing stop his voice. He'll speak through a cloud. He'll speak through a whisper. He'll speak through the lightning and the thunder. Amen. He'll speak through a chicken. He'll speak through a donkey. He might just speak through me. But when it's all said and done, when God gets ready to speak, he is going to speak to somebody that has their ear tuned in to what it is that God is trying to say to them. Amen. I don't know why the Lord has laid this on my heart so heavy this afternoon, but I've come to tell somebody God is getting ready to speak into that situation. God is getting ready to speak into your life. God is getting ready to speak a word that'll turn everything around. You're in the testing part. You're in the trial part. God can't pull you out of the test prematurely. It would wreck your life. He's got to leave you in the oven. He's got to leave you in the trial. He's got to leave you in the midst of that valley. But when God gets ready to speak, oh, that God would speak to my situation. Oh, that God would speak to my, you better get ready, brother sister you better get ready because when God does open his mouth things are going to turn on a dime things are going to change in a moment things are going to spin around oh I feel like rejoicing about that right now you have grieved over the silence of God you need to rejoice because God is getting ready to speak a word into your life Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. I feel it here right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, I feel it in this house right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. You've been waiting on God to give you a promise over that backslidden loved one. You've been waiting on God to speak to that sickness. You've been waiting on God to speak to that trial. Amen. If you'll endure the silence, you're going to hear his voice.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, stand with me. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you have wrestled through the night with God's silence. You have struggled on the floor. You have arrived in the arena of life. You have laid on the battlefield that the enemy has attacked you on. And you've thought to yourself, why me? And why now? And God said, I've been silent because I've invested something in you that can't come out any other way except you're in the fight, except you're in the battle, except that sickness be in you. Paul said it this way, that the sufferings of this present time shall not be worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. And listen to me. Your suffering is not for nothing. Your suffering is not for God's amusement, but God allows you to go through what you're going through so that at the end of it, God can speak. And when God speaks, ask Job what it sounds like. Job, when God spoke, what happened? Did he make up for it? Who did he make up for it? The Bible says that the latter days of Job were twice as blessed as his beginning. Theologians say that Job lived somewhere about 140 years of age is what they believe he lived to be is 140. And most scholars agree. Now we read the book of Job and we think Job had a miserable life. Most scholars agree Job's fight lasted somewhere between nine months to a year. A year at the most. Nine months to a year. Brother Kurt, nine months to a year. We read all them chapters in Job and think his life was horrible. It was only, it was less than a year. Now that's easy for me to say when I'm not in your year. You see, Job didn't have the book of Job. That's pretty profound. Catch somebody before they faint. Job didn't have the book of Job. Job, I'm I'm really going to tweak with some of your melons right now. Job Job didn't even have the Bible. And and you know what else? Job, nobody in the history of man has ever been laid open to an attack from Satan like Job was. Nobody. Come on, nobody. You're trying to think, surely, nobody. Nobody has ever suffered at the hands of the devil like Job did. Sister Strickland, the devil took his best and he took it out on Job. And you, you ready for this? This is the good news. We always talk about how bad it was. <laughs> the devil used all his power on Job. That's what the Bible gave everything he had. Here's the good news Job survived the worst satanic attack ever known to mankind. You know what that tells me? You're going to survive. Not only did he survive, he survived without the Bible. He didn't even have the word of God and he, and he beat the devil. 
Oh, I'm really going to get you now. He, he, huh? Boy, you got right in my next point. My God. Job didn't even have the Holy Ghost and he beat the devil. Job didn't even have the name of Jesus and he whooped the devil. Quit acting like you're not going to make it through Satan's attack. When God's invested more in you than he invested in Job, he invested his name, his blood, his spirit, his power. You're going to make it. You just keep holding on. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Oh, your endurance will save you. If you'll just hold on to God. Mm. Boy, I feel victory right now. I feel like, I almost feel like singing an old Merle Ewan song. You're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. You've got what it takes to win. I know that you're I don't know what Merle's saying gonna make as long as me and Jesus stay friends I got Merle on loop in my truck he's been on loop for two years in my truck see what you needed today was not a shout till you make it what you need to hear today is just hold on Hold on. You can do it. You ain't going through nothing like Job went through. And you got more than Job ever had. And if Job can whoop the devil without the Holy Ghost, you ought to whoop the devil with the Holy Ghost. Shatarabahasha. Hallelujah. Mm. So you're going to make it. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you are going to make it. Oh, that God would speak. Oh, that God would speak. Tarabasha. You're going to make it. Quit saying you can't take it anymore. Quit speaking death into life. Quit speaking cursing into promise. The more you say you can't, I guarantee you won't. It ain't ever going to happen. Well, go ahead and have the funeral and bury it right now because it sure ain't ever going to happen. You got to open your mouth and say, God may not be speaking, but I'll speak. I shall live and not die. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're going to make it. And, and I don't mean to make it so personal. 
But I can remember sitting in a wheelchair. And doctors had condemned me to that wheelchair the rest of my life. Said I'd never walk again. And I couldn't help but look at my bony, skinny little legs. There was no meat on them. I only weighed like 205 before my wreck. It was down to 140 something. Skin and bones. And I remember sitting in that wheelchair looking at my bony legs saying, no, you'll walk again. I had people tell me, you're going to walk again on streets of glory. And I thought, well, if streets of glory on earth, find that street because that's the one I'm walking on. Brother Clifton, I never had a doubt in my mind God was going to heal me. I had people come over and ball. I had people come over and grieve for me like I was dead, grabbing a hold of me in the wheelchair, shaking me. I'd let them cry. Then I got to the point where I'd just shove them off of me like that. See, about a month in a wheelchair, your arms get really strong. I started shoving people off of me. I didn't want that negative mess. You may already grieve my legs, but God didn't. Never doubt in my mind I was getting up out of that wheelchair. I had people say, oh, he'll never walk. He'll never have a family. He'll never. I thought, I, I don't know which pit of hell you crawled up out of. But I already heard God speak. He may not be speaking now. But David said, God spoke it once. And I heard it twice. Power belongeth to God. All you got to do is speak it once. I'll hear it twice. Research that. I preached on that. It's the echo of God. It just keeps going and go. Every trial I go through, I'm going to hear the echo of God. God's only got to speak it once. I'll hear it twice. I'll hear it three times. I'll hear it 10,000 times. Power belongeth to God. Some of you, even with my glasses off, look better now than you did 45 minutes ago. got to let that up off of you. If God singled you out, it's because he has confidence in you. Don't resist God's opportunity to brag on you and to bless you. Brother Jose, they said you would never be a police officer, didn't they? I remember. I remember. Come here. I remember this young man, single guy. Come here. Coming to this church, and all he wanted to do was go to the military and be a police officer. Remember that? Pastor, pray for him. I'm, 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 I'm putting an application. He put in more applications. My Lord, he probably cut down a quarter of the rainforest himself putting in applications. I mean, constantly pray for this. I'm, I'm this police job, this sheriff's department. And every time they came back, said, No, you got. I do. I have diabetes. And they said it was disqualifying. Disqualifier. He, 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 he could never be a police officer. But God already spoke something to him. 
And he kept applying. And every rejection was another knife, was another dagger. Until about, what, six months ago. He put in the last application. And Solano County Sheriff said, yeah, I don't think we care about them diabetes that much. And today, he's a Solano County Sheriff's deputy. You want to know why? Because God already spoke. God already spoke. God already spoke. They said we couldn't afford the building that we're in, but we claimed it anyway because God already spoke. How are we going to afford the next one in this economy with prices so high and inflation? Don't know. Affording it ain't my problem. This is his church, not my church. And last time I checked, God ain't in no budget crisis. And there ain't no inflation in heaven. There's no currency devaluing in the kingdom of God. So I don't know where it is, but God already spoke. And when the time comes, we'll sign the papers and we'll step by faith like we did this one. Because God has already spoken. Some of you remember this. We were 12 people swallowed in a theater on Orange Drive. Y'all remember that? Man, there was more emptiness than there were people. And some of y'all will remember, Sister Tanya, Sister Tammy. Y'all remember? And I would start preaching, and I'd start preaching to the empty chairs. Y'all remember that? I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to these chairs. And they'd look at me and go, our pastor's mental. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Oh, we need to pray for our pastor. Pastor, there's medication for that. You don't have to preach to you. But I preach to, I preach to the chairs. I would. Brother Charlie, I'd preach to them. And I, I would preach baptism in Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost. And everybody in there has got the Holy Ghost. Except maybe McKenna, and she was like a year old. Amen. We were speaking it by faith. And I pre- I'd say, I'm not preaching. And I would preach. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I preach some of my best salvation messages to empty chairs. Because I said, I'm going to preach to them until they got souls in them that need salvation. Amen. And I know we got a lot of sickness and people traveling today, and there's some empty chairs. But were you here last Sunday? When we hit a record attendance last Sunday, we couldn't have got a greased BB in here last Sunday. Amen. It was as crowded as a politician's pocket in here. Amen. But God already spoke. God, would you speak? I already did. We're asking God to speak, and God's saying, will you believe?
I'm at the end of my notes. So that's what I want to leave you with. He already spoke. And if he's already said it, he will perform it. And, and just in that case that you're seeking that direction, that word, and you haven't heard it, and you're in that silence period because that happens, just get ready. When God speaks, it won't be the way you imagine it. I've had ranked sinners speak a word of God into my life. I know it makes some people, you mean, yeah, I'm talking about pagan heathens. Speak God's word into my life. But if you get that wall up, you'll miss it. If you start telling God how he can be God, he just ain't, God ain't going to be bossed around. I remember four years ago, we were in D.C. sitting at a steakhouse. My wife and I were far end of the restaurant. It was loud. We were talking about something very, very personal, very private, but it was, you know, my wife had her back to the door and she was in tears and something, we were just, I mean, we weren't like fist fighting or anything. It wasn't nothing like that. It was just something personal, something that we were going through and we were just talking and all of a sudden a distinguished gentleman stood up on the far end of that restaurant and I mean, what, probably 80, 100 feet at least. It was dark, I couldn't even see his face, but I saw this distinguished gentleman start walking our direction. Beautiful, solid white hair. Older man walked over to our table. And my wife had just gotten done doing this. And he said, I am so sorry to interrupt your meal. He said, but I just felt like God wanted me to tell you something. And when he said that, I, my dingbat radar went off. Like, <laughs> I mean, who's this guy going to come up and tell me that God's got a word for me? What church do you go to? Let me see your license. That's my instant reaction. I did. I bowed up. I, but in less than five seconds when he opened his mouth, he spoke such a clear word that only God could have known what we had just talked about. There's no other way. And he went, and he spoke it word for word for word for word. And then he apologized one more time and walked off. We were dumbfounded. We, we could not find the words to speak. We just sit there and looked at each other. 30 minutes later, the waitress walked up and just said, just so you know, that, that man that walked over here, he has bought your meal and he bought a dessert for each one of you. As if the word from God wasn't enough. Then he walked back over to our table and introduced himself and his son and his grandson. They were in D.C. on business. Long story short, he didn't believe like us. Some type of Baptist of some sort don't believe like us. Walked up and gave a sh My point is this. Oh, let me just say this. That didn't validate his salvation either. So don't think because God uses somebody that's not saved that then all of a sudden they're saved because God used them. It don't, it, it don't justify their, their lifestyle. You'll mess yourself up that way. 
you've got to learn to step back and go, oh, he's God. You can use who you want to use. Donkey, chicken, thick cloud, whatever. Amen. Anybody get a word today? Amen. I, I, can, I can truly, and I'm not just saying this, I can truly see a weight lifted off of some of y'all today. I truly can see a weight lifted, lifted off of your countenance today. You were carrying a burden God never intended for you to carry. You're struggling in a fight God never intended you to fight. Trust in Him. Trust in It's that simple. God's going to speak, and God has spoken. David, what did you say? God spoke it once, and I heard it twice. Power belongeth to God. Would you lift your hands where you are right now? For those in the battle, for those in the test, he says, my grace is sufficient unto thee. My grace is sufficient unto God, when are you going to heal it? Don't worry, my grace is sufficient. God, when's it coming? Don't worry, my grace is sufficient unto thee. Job, it's going to turn around. Job, it's not going to end this way. You're only in the middle of the book. God's not done writing yet. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. I'll tell you what I feel right now. I feel a season of restoration coming for somebody in this place. I'm, I'm going to speak it right now in a prophetic utterance. I speak a season of restoration divinely appointed of God over your life. A Joel 2 restoration that he would restore unto thee that the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm and the caterpillar and the locust hath eaten. I feel a restoration coming to somebody's life. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. You feel like you've lost your joy. You've lost your passion. You've lost your drive. You've lost your finances. You've lost this. You've lost that. And God says, I am getting ready to restore into your life if you will remain faithful, if you will finish the test, if you will go through what I'm allowing you to go through, you're going to come out of this on the other side. That's what Job said. The Lord knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. You're in the furnace, sister. You're in the furnace, brother. Don't pull out now. Don't get out now. He's about to make something. He's about to restore something into your life. If that's you, I want you to come down. If, I, I want you to come down and say, that's me. That's me, Lord. I, I'm, I'm ready to walk in that season of restoration in the name of Jesus. I'm praying for restoration of my health, restoration of my finances, restoration of my family, restoration of my joy and my peace. 
Now, before we pray together, I'm going to say one thing we're going to pray. Remember what I said? Scholars believe Job went through nine months to 12 months. That was his test. It was just nine to 12 months, so a little less than a year, that Job's, Job lived to be 140 years of age. He had one year of trouble. Let me ask you a question. Is one year of cursing worth 139 of blessing? <laughs> Is one year of pain, would it be worth 139 of peace? Because the Bible said that God restored unto him twice. Oh, I feel the Holy. So Job was only going to live to 70. God let him live to 140. Job had X amount of children, then he had it doubled. Job had X amount of dollars, then he had it doubled. X amount of property, then he had it doubled. All, everything about Job got doubled when he got through his test. Don't prematurely bail out on the test. Because one day you're going to look back and you're going to testify to somebody and say, I know what you're going through. I've been through that before. And hold on, because if you'll just endure, God's got a doubling that's coming for your life. When you get finished with this season, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Why don't you just reach up and begin to pray that right now in the name of Jesus. I'm not asking you to speak anything that's not biblical. I'm not asking you to pray for anything that God has not promised. But you have lived your season of suffering. You have been through the period of pain in your life. And now it's time for you to believe that what I am, where I'm at right now, is not what God has destined the end of my days to be. What I'm going through now is not what God has destined for my life to be. It's but a moment. It's but a season. That's it. Receive it. In Jesus' name, I speak twice the blessing over your life. Twice. Whatever the enemy stolen from you, I pray it be restored back unto you twice. Twice the income. Twice the health. Twice the harvest. In the name of Jesus. That God restore unto you the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm and the caterpillar and the locust hath eaten. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.